0: This is I Have to Ask with Elizabeth Hess, my first official guest, Mike Ingram, newly elected to District 6 of the Champaign County Board. Congratulations, Mike.
1: Hey, thank you very much.
0: All right. Tell us a little bit about your boundaries there. Bloomington Road on the north to Kirby on the south. Tell us East-West and the demographics of this.
1: East-West is vaguely, it's uh, Duncan and Prospect. There are a couple of little appendages, um, boxes out down to... Neal Street between Bradley and Vine, and then it kind of does a weird cut off of Duncan. Kind of, It excises the area like right around Parkland.
0: Okay, before we get into what motivated you to run for office, you're one of the busiest people I know. You're a musician, a DJ, a promoter, the Illinois Summer Youth Music Program, Pygmalion. How do you balance your life when you have so many amazing random things going on?
1: It's... It's not always easy. It's not, uh, I mean, it's rarely easy, I guess. Usually it's triaging. What's the most, uh, what's the most important thing at the moment. Um, And sometimes that I'm sure gets frustrating for anybody that's working with me. Um, I try to stay on top of things though. I'm involved in a lot of things that are, um, that I felt like if I didn't do it, nobody was going to, like I I signed up for the um, Champagne police oversight committee when, um, when I found out that they didn't have enough applicants. And even though I was like, I don't know if I have time to do this, it's a very important thing. And I wanted to make sure that people who had a very good um, background on um, restorative justice and things like that were on it. So it was like, well, I, I mean, I can, I can make the time for this. So it's the same thing with mentoring. It's the same thing with, you know, trying to make sure that uh, exile on main stays afloat and all the different things that I kind of do. It's usually that there's kind of a need and nobody else is stepping up. So like maybe me at occasionally Not super fast is better than nobody.
0: (laughs) You know, when I met you, you were already deeply entrenched in the local Democratic Party, but you went that extra step. You decided to run for office. Why the county board?
1: You know, it's not, um, it's probably about the least glamorous thing that you could run for. But it does have the ability to impact people's lives, and that's kind of more what I'm looking to do, especially in a post-Trump kind of place that we're at now um you know there were a lot of different things that i kind of looked at and thought like that would be cool or you know i'd be good at that or whatever um county board is it's it can be very impactful to to people locally um people don't think about that a lot but you know your city councils and your county boards actually do have a lot of um a lot of impact on people's lives. So that seemed like a good thing to do. I hadn't had the best, uh, interaction with, uh, with the person that I decided to run against, um, a couple times. And, um, and I'd heard that from multiple people and I wasn't a, a, a quite a fan of, of the votes that I'd seen cast. So I thought, well, I, well, let's see if like, it's kind of a put up or shut up thing and see if I could do something about it. So.
0: Because you're classier than I am, I'm glad you brought her up. In the primary, you beat longtime incumbent Patsy Petrie as you knocked on doors for the campaign. What were some of the prevalent issues that constituents felt hadn't been addressed in your district?
1: Oh, hadn't been addressed is different than what I probably heard about the most. Hadn't been addressed, I got a lot of, um, a lot of stuff about the Racial Justice Task Force, um, which is uh, it's, it's near and dear to my heart. Um, you know, the, the county had commissioned this, um, this amazing report that had all these great recommendations and, and, and information in it that was kind of languishing after it was finished. Um, and so that was a thing that I, d- I think people were definitely interested in, um, in talking about, um, that they hadn't really heard a whole lot about it kind of just sat around for a little while. So that, you know, and, and, and maybe they were also talking about it more because it was a thing that I was interested. I mean, like I was even mentioning, or it would be on my lit too. So that could have been a driving factor too, was, was, was that my own interest in it was, was maybe pushing people to talk about it. But there were people that brought it up, um, you know, without any sort of um, prompt.
0: That was what hadn't been addressed. What would you say are some of the biggest issues that people wanted you to address?
1: Uh, well, during the primary, we were right in the middle of, of the nursing home debacle, of course. So um, my hope was that we would be able to get a bunch of new board members on before all of that got settled. Um, unfortunately, you know, um, things were were done before I really had a chance to take a crack at it. Um, but that was that was the thing that I heard about the most back in the primary for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, that was it. The jail uh, and what we're going to do about the two jails um, and how to fix that situation was it, it got brought up sometimes too. And of course, you know, you're knocking on doors and people don't always know what they, what different parts of the government do, city and county. So they'd ask about like speed bumps and, you know, different things like that. And and, and I like the idea of people at least bringing things up because then if I know what I'm supposed to know, I can say, okay, well, you should contact this person at the city. Or I should say, you know, oh, the, we don't take care of that, but this body does. You should reach out to your city councilman or you should reach out to, um, you know, to this person who is in this position or anything like that
0: you know we're going to come back to the jail and the nursing home you mentioned the racial justice task force and i know you've talked extensively about the findings what work needs to be done to implement change
1: uh that's a tough one cuz honestly you have to build that kind of from the ground up you have to get people interested in making i mean like this has to come from from a pretty deep place. You know, there's a few of us on the board, particularly that are very outspoken about it. And there are other people on the board who would, you know, vote the right way or whatever, but you're talking about, you know, there's a, there's a percentage of the constituency that doesn't see that there's even a problem. They don't, um, they don't react well to people that say that it's tougher to be black in this country than it is to be, you know, to be white. Um, and how you kind of show them the differences and, and how you kind of make that case to them, badgering them over the head with it doesn't really help us, um, even though that's sometimes what you want to do. So really, it's 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 figuring out the right way to explain and make people understand why those things are needed um, and, and why the task force recommended what it did, you know, and those things. So that's honestly, that's the biggest thing is going to be, you know, making sure that people understand why you're doing those things, why you're trying to fix things that they might not realize are wrong. And that's, it's, it's not easy. That's not an easy thing to, to, to realize that goal. Like that's pretty hard.
0: Now, you've been very vocal in the nursing home and how you would like to fight to keep it open any way you can. Now you have a voice on the county board. Are you confident the current buyer, the potential current buyer, will continue to deliver on that mission?
1: Uh, I mean, flatly, no. Um, that's, not a, that's not a thing that is really within their business model. Um, it's one of the reasons that I was hopeful that we could you know, table their offer for a while and see if anything else better did come along. Um, you know, when you throw something out there and you get this kind of low ball first look bid, if you're eager to just get rid of it, you know, like a lot of people were then immediately you just go, yes, cool, great. And then maybe we'll try to make some sort of consolation, you know, agreement with them that will save some of the things that we want to keep about it. But you know, when you're that eager to get rid of it, you're just going to kind of jump at it. And that was, that was a difficult thing to watch because we don't really know if anything better could have come along. We don't know if we could have better served the people that live there, the people that work there. No, I don't I don't have a ton of confidence in them. I also, if they go against any of the things that they've negotiated to do, Medicare beds or, you know, keeping their contract with AFSME or anything like that they know that they, it's them versus the state's attorney's office, which is underfunded. You know, I mean, like, you know, there's, so they know that it's going to be their millions of dollars versus Julia Reitz, you know, and that's, you know, I, I wouldn't want to go up against Julia Reitz, but I have a feeling that if I had billions of dollars that I'd be like, well, you 20 people can go up against her and I'll go to the Caymans or whatever I do, you know, like, um, so yeah, I, it's, it's a difficult situation because I want to keep an eye on it. And I want to make sure that they do the things that they've said they're going to do. And I want to make sure that we take care of people as best we can with the situation that we have. It's hard to foresee that going smoothly.
0: Now you went on record that you weren't a fan of the creation of a county executive and now she's here. What do you see your actual role with that position now that you're on the board?
1: Um, we're still kind of figuring it out, honestly. And that's kind of, uh, I, I I had thought that the transition team and all the recommendations would be kind of done by the time that we got there, um, come to find out that that isn't the case. So we, we get to make up a little bit of the landscape and see how it's going to work. You know, who's going to oversee what and you know, which, which body or which position is going to do certain things. So, you know, I, I, it's still a position that's here to stay and it's still something that all of us are going to have to work with regardless. So, um, I'm excited. I mean, like, honestly, you couldn't find a better resume uh, than than Darlene's for that job. I mean, like the breadth of knowledge that she brings to this position is 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 huge, and and it's really great. You know, being as somebody that's never really run for anything, too, she kind of comes in with this, with this kind of how to make this not sound like a, it's talking down, but it's more like that she just kind of comes with like this fresh un scathed feeling about politics. I'm hoping, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm sure she saw plenty of stuff during her own first campaign, but like, she doesn't have the years of like slugging it out and, and heavily partisan stuff that, that some people that would have run for positions like that would have. So I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful that she brings all the wonkiness and all of the knowledge that she has. Um, and, and we're able to do some really cool things with all of that.
0: One of the main issues facing the county board and Darlene is what to do with the satellite and the downtown jail facilities. If you could allocate any amount of money to fix this situation, let's say Magic Unicorn, how would you do it? What's the right solution for this?
1: Um, The right solution is, I mean, the downtown jail should be jettisoned. I mean, whatever we can do with it to get rid of it and not be utilizing it for what it's being used for. Um, The ADA compliance and what it would cost to, to get us there um, it's not really worth it for, for something that exists the way that it does. The problem with that is that, um, you know, there's space that's being utilized there that would need to be made up somehow because um, it's not just beds. It's not, you know, there's offices. There's also um, at the satellite jail right now, there's barely any room for there to be anything um, for those of us that are like super into restorative justice and programming and things like that. There's not really any room for that. And a lot of times classes get preempted because there aren't enough places for... Uh, for people to meet their lawyers. Um, So that becomes really problematic for me because I don't want to put money into the idea of making it a bigger place for more people to be held in, but I wanna make it a place that actually is able to serve the people that are being held there in a better capacity. So, you know, magic unicorn or whatever the <laughs> phrase that you just used was, golden unicorn, whatever. I don't know what she said, but it sounded, um, it was, it was the first time I've believe i really ever heard that phrase.
0: And I just made it up on you the fly. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Okay, cool.
1: You on just fly. made it up. Good job. Okay, cool. All right. Well, um, that's,
0: I'm going to trademark it. So keep going.
1: Okay. Well, let <laughs> a trade market before somebody calls it, makes it a sex position. Um, <laughs> So if I had the magic unicorn uh, or whatever money, um, yeah, I mean, mostly it would be just making sure that we had the the right amount of space to actually do things in there that are going to benefit the people that, that are there. You know, there may be a need for better isolation um, situations and things like that. But honestly, like whatever we can do to keep driving the census down, but also make sure that the people that are there for legitimate reasons why we you know would need them as a community to be there have access to things that could potentially help them not be the people that we're putting in there. So that's, it's, it's tough. You know, you'd have no idea how much that's going to cost and you have no idea if you're going to be able to make that happen without, um, people attaching other ideas to it or whatever. Um, for me, if it it would just be nice if we could coast something in that basically made those, those improvements better and made the, you know, made everybody that's working there and, and having to stay there, um, made their time better spent there.
0: Speaking of better time spent on the day before the November election, you were at Illini Union helping to manage the crowd of student voters. <laughs> now, you were increasingly frustrated and angry about the unnecessary lines. Your Facebook posts, just your face. I was there with you. Yeah. You brought pizza. You handed out water. You talked to the students so they would stay and vote. What about this issue just fired you up?
1: I, you know, I even thought when I, was, when I was talking about what to maybe run for office, for, for office. Um, Clerk wasn't something that was out of the realm of possibility for me. I've always really taken voting seriously. I've always wondered what we could do as a country, as a community to increase turnout percentages um, what we could do to make sure that people that, that don't vote know that, know when it's time, you know, um, any information that you can give anybody that's going to increase their percentage chance of actually going out and voting, um, how we can get to people who don't think they can vote. Um, honestly, like that was a big part for me when I was canvassing for the primary was finding people that, that said, Oh, I can't vote. I'm a felon. And being able to like, say, actually, no, you can, like, it's a very common misconception. It's the case in some other states. So people think that, or they've been told that by people who, you know, either came from other states or maybe people who just didn't want them to vote honestly um, so I've always really been into the idea of that you know as a as a person who reads a lot um, about like I don't really I don't read a lot of stuff that isn't about like Reconstruction or Jim Crow era um, you know Voting Rights Act era stuff that stuff maybe because I read so much about it it always feels like it's present in my mind but like the the fight to do that and the fight of suffragettes and the fight after suffragettes got the right to vote for actually women of color to be able to vote the number of Of different fights we've had just for people to be able to go to the ballot box sits kind of heavily on me, and like what we can do to make sure that there aren't hindrances to that to that vote. You know, it isn't it isn't prevalent here the way that it is in North Carolina or in Alabama or anything like that, but it still happens. You know, and and it happens in much sneakier ways. You know, we don't have voter ID laws here, but we do have you know, clerks that make things a little bit more difficult for certain people to vote than others. Um, and it's you know, it's not maybe even as, as actively malicious as you might think. It's just that, you know, these are the things that I think are going to be best served here and not really listening to anybody else's like please to say, Hey, like this is, we need this, not just what you're doing. So, you know, I, I don't, I don't want to put targets on anybody's back about being particularly like bull Connor or anything like that, but like There is a, there is a a thing that happens and it's, and usually when you, when you are keeping people from voting, the people that are being kept from voting tend to be younger and, and poorer and more marginalized and darker skinned. I mean, that's the people that, and it's super convenient that that happens to be a bunch of people who tend to vote Democrat and it tends to be stuff that's enacted by Republicans. Um, So it really fired me up because that stuff has always been serious to me. And I stood there in that. Uh, stairway watching people that were willing like you know we were telling people you could there's a bus downstairs that will take you to a place where you can vote faster and they were like no we'll wait it's fine you know and um, other people have to get to class they were letting people cut in line if they had to you know if they didn't have time and they wanted to vote before class seeing the kind of community that suddenly developed in the union for like two or three days of people that were like there to vote or there to help people vote in whatever way they could. I mean, like the organizational effort that suddenly happened when, you know, like like you said, I mean, I put up a post about it. a few other people did. And then suddenly there's just people driving their cars over and like, I'll take three people to Brookings or whatever. It was like touching. And it was also touching to watch people that were like, I'll wait, you know, it's fine. I'm I'm going to wait. Then you also look at the flip side of that and the people that were clearly walking up, seeing the line and going no way and walking away. And you don't know if they're ever going to go, you know, if, the, if it's the day before voting, you don't know if they're going to come back the next day. You don't know if they're going to go to their actual polling place the next day. They might see that and think, you know, it's not worth the time or I don't have the time. Um, I've got a shift in an hour and they're, they're saying it's a two hour wait. It kind of like broke me a little bit that day because it it was amazing to see the mobilization and the people's kind of desire to vote, but it was also like, it wasn't as necessary as, as, as I mean, like it it wasn't really at all necessary, but it was, it could have been so much better and so much better handled. Um, that, that it, it just really like, yeah, I, I, I definitely kind of took to, um, took to social media to kind of vent that frustration because I, you watch a bunch of people that are that willing to do it and be, and, and, you know, you hear them talking, like we'd be in line and there'd be people that were like, this is why my friend's don't vote, you know, or this is what, you know, like this is, it's so clear that they don't want us to vote. And, and that might make some people think like, well, fuck that. I'm going to stand in line. Like, um, but for other people, they're going to say like, it's not worth it. You know, like they don't want my vote or anything like that. And I don't want anybody to feel like that, like anywhere in this country.
0: That brings me to my last question. You have name recognition, people recognize your face, and that just makes people trust you, respect you, and I have no reason to suck up to you, so I'm just going to say it. (laughs) People have talked about wanting you to run for mayor, and I know people have asked you for that. The Democrats need a strong person on the ticket. Have you considered running for mayor of Champaign?
1: Um, Yeah, I've thought about it. People have mentioned it. I mean, people mentioned it just this last couple of weeks when it was petition time, and I, you know, and and they were like, "Oh, Susanna Mendoza's doing it. You can do it." And I was like, "Guess I just finished my first campaign. Like, it was long. People are sick of hearing from me, I would imagine. But also, like, my wife's probably sick of me actively campaigning. <laughs> like, there's, it, you know, it was draining. It was, it was adding a lot of stuff to my life that was, uh, you know, that you felt was like has to be done now because there's a time limit on this stuff. It is in its capacity kind of a cheerleader for champagne, um, and the and the overall, you know, county and area as well. And I feel like that I'm." I'm not uniquely qualified to do, but I feel like I'm very qualified to do. It's something that kind of already do anyway. Um, I try to spend a lot of time shining light on things that maybe don't get the recognition or the, um, you know, the donations or whatever that they deserve. Um, and I feel like that's kind of one of the things that you would, you would be doing basically. Um, plus you're also the liquor commissioner, which I have a, you know, an adult life spent, uh, working at, playing in and being around bars. So that's, that's helpful to have that kind of probably level of knowledge too. But yeah, I mean, it's something I've, I've certainly thought about. It's, I've thought about multiple offices though. I mean, I thought like, where can I go and what can I do to make the most impact? You know, like there's certain positions, you know, we finally just now elected our first, um, our first black elected official county wide. Um, that took, much longer than it should have. And, and it's, and it's good that we're finally there. You know, we finally have, um, openly gay, uh, countywide officials. We have two of them now. Um, but for a long time, uh, you know, everybody that was in government looked like me and I don't really always appreciate how people that look like me act and how they legislate. Um, so, it's not necessarily that I feel like I need to like rep for white dudes cause we don't need that. We've got plenty of that, but it's like, it's almost like I just want to like kind of make sure that, that, that I can utilize that privilege and that, um, you know, that the status or whatever, um, to, to make things better for anybody that doesn't look like me. Um, so yeah, where can I go? Like, what can I run for where I could maybe use that and kind of interrupt some stuff that, that normally wouldn't get interrupted or, or how can I kind of sneakily get in with my, um, with my very you know, pro... Well, it was, I was recently called um, militantly pro-black Uh, as an insult, I think the person meant it as an insult. It was like an online comment that was like, well, well, like I was supposed to listen to somebody who's just militantly pro black. And I was like, and I was like, thank you. Like, (laughs) yeah, like, like. so yeah. How can I utilize that to kind of best serve everybody, you know, not just people that look like me or not just people that live in my neighborhood. Um, you know, as a County board member, I'm supposed to represent the people of my district, but I'm also supposed to kind of, you know, it's uh, what I do will impact everybody in the County. Um, And so that's, you know, it's something that I I do think about a lot. You know, what's the best way to utilize those feelings and, and that drive?
0: Mike Ingram, District 6 of the Champaign County Board, thank you for your time today.
1: Hey, thank you very much.